All right. I am really excited about what's next, guys. January 18th is where we're at. We're day 18 of the Bible in a year. We just finished Genesis yesterday, and instead of going into Exodus like the standard Bible would have you do, we're going into Job. So that's literally Job comes after Genesis in this Bible. There's a timeline at the top of this Bible, and I've mentioned it before, um, and we actually ended um, yesterday with Joseph's death, and the predicted time was about 1805 BC. We're actually still in 2100 to 1800 BC, according to this Bible, um, going into Job. So we're kind of going back a little bit, um, or there's an overlap that's happening here. And then looking at the notes on the page, um, it, the first page here of this book, it says that he probably lived around the same time as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of the way his life was described in here. So historically, it comes before um, certain things like priests and that kind of stuff that happened um, after 1800. So here we go. Job 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 teams of oxen and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. They would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the member of the heavenly court came to present themselves. The members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house. A messenger arrived at Job's home with his news. Your oxen were plowing, with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older brother's home. 
Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Job 2. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling around the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, Skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz and or Eliphaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes, threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Job 3. At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness, let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it, and let darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted off the calendar, never again to be counted among the days of the year, never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let it hope for light, but in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? 
had I died at birth. I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes rich in gold whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death the wicked caused no trouble and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are both there, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly eagerly than hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Those God has surrounded with difficulties, I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only troubles come. Job 4. Then Eliphaz the Tamanite replied to Job, Will you be patient and let me say a word? For who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who were weak. Your words have supported those who were falling. You encourage those with shaky knees. But now, when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give hope? Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. A breath from God destroys them. They vanish in a blast of his anger. The lion roars and the wildcat snarls, but the teeth of the strong lions will be broken. The fierce lion will starve for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness will be scattered. This truth was given to me in secret, as though whispered in my ear, It came to me in a disturbing vision at night when people are in a deep sleep. Fear gripped me and my bones trembled. A spirit swept past my face and my hair stood on end. The spirit stopped, but I could see, but I couldn't see its shape. There was a form before my eyes. In the silence, I heard a voice say, Can a mortal be innocent before God? Can anyone be pure before the Creator? If God does not trust his own angels and has charged his messengers with foolishness, how much less will he trust people made of clay? They are made of dust, crushed as easily as a moth. They are alive in the morning, but dead by evening, gone forever without a trace. Their tent cords are pulled and the tent collapses and they die in ignorance. Job 5. Cry for help. But will no one answer you? Which of the angels will help you? Surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. I have seen that fools may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. Their children are abandoned far from help. They are crushed in court with no one to defend them. The hungry devour their harvest, even 
when it is guarded by brambles. The thirst pant after their wealth, but evil does not spring from the soil. The trouble does not sprout from the earth. People are born for trouble, as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. If I were you, I would go to God and present my case to him. He does great things, too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. He gives rain for the earth and water for the fields. He gives prosperity to the poor and protects those who suffer. He frustrates the plans of the schemers, so the work of their hands will not succeed. He traps the wise in their own cleverness, so their cunning schemes are thwarted. They find it is darkness in the daytime, and they grope at noon as if it were night. He rescues the poor from the cutting words of the strong and rescues them from the clutches of the powerful. And so, at last, the poor have hope, and the snapping jaws of the wicked are shut. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For those, for though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hand also heal. From six disasters he will rescue you. Even in the seventh he will keep you from evil. He will save you from death in time of famine, from the power of the sword in time of war. You will be safer from slander. You will be safe from slander and have no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. Wild animals will not terrify you. You will be at peace with the stones of the field and its wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your home is safe. When you survey your possessions, nothing will be missing. You will have many children. Your descendants will be as plentiful as grass. You will go to the grave at a ripe old age like a sheaf of grain harvested in the proper time. We have studied life and found all this to be true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. All right, and that is the end of today's reading.